Welcome back to the United Pubcast for something a little bit different today. Unfortunately, Larry and I couldn't get to the pub this week um, to sit down and have a couple of beverages and a feed and chat United, but um, rest assured that we'll return next week. So I just thought I'd just sort of sort of pen my thoughts on one or two things and sort of change the pace a little bit away from transfer discussion. As we said, this sort of audio-only podcast will try and sort of move away from sort of the news and sort of the, the dramas around match reviews and previews, and we'll just sort of look at some other things that do concern Manchester United. And and here we are, we do get so sort of emotionally invested in, in sort of every aspect of the club. And this time of year, no doubt a huge part of that sort of is transfers and sort of the Qatari ownership or Glazers, so Jim Ratcliffe, Qatar, etc. I think sometimes there are sort of other things happening in and around the club. And I think today is a good chance to sort of take a step back and um, remember that there are two teams at Manchester United. Well, there are far more than that in regards to all the age groups, but there are there is the women's team. And I just think as um, an Australian, um, the World Cup, the Women's World Cup is very close to home this season, um, obviously, and uh, Manchester United will be very well represented. So I thought we all sit here and talk about when new owners come in, especially Qatar, they'd have to revamp the whole club and sort of we've all sort of heard about the issues the women teams has has faced over or since their inception in terms of their training conditions and everything and a huge demand we are placing on new owners is okay they have to fix the women's program and give the attention and the financing and the investment that they do deserve but here we are do we really talk talk about them enough a few of them are achieving great things and I don't think I think we all have great respect but we don't maybe sort of highlight as much as we could and possibly should. So I just thought, as I said, just something a little bit different to sort of have a bit of a holiday from all the sort of emotional transfer talk and just um, have a few, a bit of a look at some of the Reds that um, will be representing their countries in Australia in a couple of weeks' time. So for those who don't know, I actually do work in women's football, or should I say girls' football. I work in a private girls' school here in Sydney and look after the football program from year one or kindergarten, year one, all the way through to year 12. So you can only imagine... The, um, the vast difference in age groups and so I see on a daily basis the challenges female footballers sort of do sort of face in regards to their development as footballers both on and off the pitch and I just think we all sort of cast our mind back to when we were young footballers and I'm guessing I'm speaking to a largely um, male listening audience but in terms of our dream as a kid was always to play for Manchester United now it was impossible mainly down to us not being good enough but we had that dream but it did seem impossible even though technically it wasn't if we were good enough maybe there was a situation where we could have played for Manchester United but it felt for all of us simply an impossible dream but well it was a dream we had it there in our back pocket we could sort of cling on to for these young footballers growing up in terms of we'll we'll go through the names who currently are representing for Manchester United at this World Cup, it was literally impossible. Manchester United didn't have a women's team, so in terms of so many of them did grow up as Manchester United fans. One, they couldn't obviously play for the men's team. That's just down to natural science. But in terms of in the women's pathway, there simply wasn't a Manchester United team, so it was literally impossible. And I just think in terms of when you do sort of hear one or two of their stories in regards to some of them are true Manchester United fans who grew up in Manchester, who grew up in the area, and now sort of pulling on the red shirt and actually sort of fulfilling their dreams. When you do see on a daily basis, as I do, the challenges um, many of them do face, which we're fully aware of, um, many of the challenges female footballers do face, when you see them able to overcome those issues and literally live out a dream which we all had, um, some of their stories um, are quite emotional and they're quite sort of, you can be proud in terms of a Manchester United fan. We look at, sort of, we love to see a youth academy product come through because it's a very similar story. Let's say a Marcus Rashford, Ryan Giggs, Nicky Butt, Paul Scholes, Phil Neville, etc. All those players, it's what Manchester United is built on. And we remember those names. So the class of 92, the young players coming through now. 
other kids are living those living that dream now, um, and they're representing England um, on the other side of the or England or whatever country. I'm going to obviously focus heavily on some of the England internationals, but we have those players living their dream now. And I just think when you do hear those stories, it does fill you with pride because. Yes, Manchester United were about the £100 million signing and winning this and winning that, but um, at its core, Manchester United is about this in terms of these young players coming through um, as fans and um, coming through the pathway, coming through the system and pulling on that red shirt and performing and not only performing, achieving. Um, these girls are ch- achieving great things at the moment. So um, so what I'll do now, I'll go through all the players who are representing their countries at the World Cup, who obviously current Manchester United players. Obviously, there will be a sort of heavy focus on the England internationals. Um, obviously, a lot of the well-known names in England are no doubt a, a strong favourite for this year's World Cup. And obviously, I'll also look at the club and country debate as well, because a huge part, I got into trouble the other day on Twitter, I said, uh, I hope Alejandro Ganacho scores a few goals against Australia. And Australian football Twitter or soccer Twitter came after me, and um, they weren't happy with that sentiment. I, I always stand by it. Look, I do hope Australia do well. There's no doubt about that. I, I'm Australian. I do want them to do well at major tournaments. Tournaments, But if they lose, both the male or female team, I don't lose any sleep. It's not like Manchester United. If Manchester United concede a goal on pre-season, I want to almost take a day off work. It hits me that hard. If we concede a corner, I have real problems. So you can only imagine what Manchester United, when they lose, how hard that hits me and all of you. When Australia loses a game at international level, I prefer them to win, of course, but I don't lose any sleep. I don't have that sort of real emotional attachment. I wish I did, but I just don't. I can't force it. My love for Manchester United is far greater than that of the national team for Australia. Um, I wish that was different, but it's simply not the case. I know I speak for, I wouldn't say for a lot of people, but a lot of people do share that sentiment. It's not only Australians, but obviously there's a huge part of that in regards to Manchester United and England in terms of the way England, both the FA and obviously fans of other clubs do treat Manchester United. There is a little bit of a disdain towards the national team. And I have my own thoughts in regards to the Australian men's team and sort of how they've gone a bit about business over the last two decades. But um, that is where I do look at these Manchester United players. And I do hope Australia and Sam Kerr, unfortunately she plays for Chelsea, but Sam Kerr and these girls can go on. It'll be great for Australian football for them to win the World Cup. I do want them to win the World Cup, no doubt. But when the Manchester United players um, are representing their countries, for me, personally, um, it is Manchester United over country. It is club over country. So I'll be definitely keeping an eye on and hoping they do well. It'll be very interesting if England play Australia in a World Cup final. Uh, where my allegiances do lie there in regards to maybe one in Ella Toon or someone to score a World Cup winning goal. How good would that be for Manchester United? But also, I'd also like Australia to win. So it does put me in a tight little spot there. But look, I do want these uh, Manchester United players representing the countries to go and win the World Cup. Uh, we look at sort of what pride we had watching Rafael Varane and Lissandro Martinez at a World Cup final. And here we are, we'll say, Lissandro Martinez, Manchester United play won the World Cup. Would, I think in my opinion, and I think I speak for a lot of people, we want to see, let's say, Nella Toon or Katie Zellum, etc., lifting a World Cup. Or we would say, no, that's not England, that's Manchester United winning the World Cup. So I'll go through all the players and, um, as I said, maybe one or two little stories about them in terms of what I've picked up over the years following them, one or two interesting facts, and um, obviously look at the chances um, of them succeeding at um, this year's World Cup. So I'll start with England's number one, Manchester United's number one, and at the end of the day, number one in the world, uh, Mary Earps, the Manchester United goalkeeper, only a few short weeks ago did win at the FIFA Best Awards, um, the best goalkeeper in the world. And you can only imagine now, well, I'll get into my thoughts in around sort of women's goalkeeping. As I work in, as I said, women's football, the goalkeeping issue is a huge issue at the moment. The game does face in regards to taking that next step in regards to the product we do see on the field. But at the end of the day, she's the best female goalkeeper in the world. And that is great to see at Manchester United. We did have that for a while, or in my opinion, we had that for a while with David De Gea. That ship has long since sailed, and um, we don't have that anymore in the men's team, but we do in the female team. And I think that's something 
to celebrate and sort of be proud of in terms of to be the best in the world um, at your craft. It does take one hell of um, an achievement. And I think Mary Earps is a huge part of the England team in terms of obviously key in them winning the Euros um, at Wembley last year. Also the um, Manchester United success, she's been a, a stalwart in terms of whenever you see the highlights of the women's team. Mary Earps is always just coming up with so critical of David De Gea coming to claim crosses. Mary Earps does that extremely well. So um, it'll be great to see her. I don't believe she's the captain of the England team. I should know that, but I did know she captained them in their last game before flying out to Australia. She captained against Portugal, I believe, the other day. So um, great to see her sort of taking that number one shirt for both club and country. But in regards to women's goalkeeping, as I said, I work in women's football. I see this on a daily basis, and I think when we do sort of watch highlights of women's football, etc., the game no doubt has improved vastly in regards to the technical ability, the physicality of the players. The game has come on leaps and bounds since so many of the leagues around the world, whether that be Australia, especially the Women's Super League in England and Manchester United, the game has improved so much. Um, I actually, to be honest, prefer watching the Matildas over the Socceroos. I just do. Uh, it's weird, and again, a lot of it might come down to my feeling towards the Socceroos, but um, the football has improved a lot, no doubt. Still a long way to go. Uh, we can't sort of sugarcoat it and pretend it doesn't have a long way to go. Of course it does. But the thing at the moment which is really holding its back is the goalkeeping issue. So much of the play is really brilliant football, then it gets the goalkeeping issue, and there's just a mistake which shouldn't happen. And no one can put their finger on it yet. I've worked with one or two sort of female goalkeeping coaches, and they share the same feeling. You can't put your finger on it in terms of sort of reading flights of the ball, in terms of moving backwards when a ball is going over your head. I think we can all envisage the goals we've seen. On TV, when a ball sort of goes over the goalkeeper's head in women's football, just think, well, if they were standing on their line, they would be able to catch that. But in terms of that moving backwards, the sort of the mechanics, something's not there. We're not sure what it is, and that's not to be overly critical of it, but that is the next step. We see so many of these highlights of great football being played, and then the goal go, and you think, oh, God, the goalkeeper should be doing better there. But Mary Earps is, is the best in the world at the moment, so fingers crossed she doesn't sort of have any of those incidents to, to, deal, to deal with at the World Cup. But... um. As I said, in terms of if we're being critical of women's football taking that next step from a product point of view, from what we see on the field, the goalkeeping issue is something that women's football definitely does need to highlight and address. And look, to be honest, I'm sure they will in regards to we have seen the improvements in regards to the football being played on the field. Um, They have improved there, no doubt. And I think with the sort of introduction of the professionalism around the world, um, the goalkeeping issue will improve but um as things stand at the moment mary Oves, manchester united's goalkeeper is the best in the world and um a huge congratulations to her for winning the fifa best award those uh, a few weeks ago obviously a great photo of her and david de gea david de gea was collecting his awards for his clean sheet record at old trafford and mary Oves was next to her with her award on the old trafford pitch and um yeah made for a great photo so um mary Oves, england's number one will be huge. Um, I think any sort of any team going to win a World Cup or any team trying, trying to win a league or any type of trophy, you do need a great goalkeeper. We're having that same discussion around the men's team at the moment. But um, for Manchester United and England, um, they do have the best in the business. So I'm definitely keen on seeing Mary Earps um, perform for England in the World Cup. Okay, next off the rank, Ella Toon. And my God, I love this story in regards to... I remember listening to a podcast. I'm sure a lot of you do subscribe to the Man- the official Manchester United podcast. Ella Toon did one a while ago. It was after winning the Euros. And she has a brilliant story because as things stand, she's currently Manchester United's number seven. Cristiano Ronaldo has vacated the number seven shirt. We don't have one in the men's team. And Ella Toon is currently our number, uh, number seven. I believe she wears number 10 for the national team. Um, and I just think her story is, is truly unbelievable because she is a true Manchester United fan from Manchester and sort of grew up loving the club, wanting to play and having to play with boys. She had an interesting story. She actually 
trained with Manchester City. Like She was contracted to Manchester City but played her games with Blackburn. So I urge everyone to go back and listen to her story. But as I said at the start of the podcast in regards to all our dreams would represent Manchester United, she had the same dream, no doubt about that in terms of her childhood. But it was literally an impossible dream. There was no women's team for Manchester United, so it was literally impossible. And I'm just thinking then to see her here in 2023 or even before that, representing Manchester United, not just representing, but succeeding with the number seven on your shirt, scoring a winning or scoring a goal in the Euros final at Wembley in a successful campaign, now going to represent your country on the other side of the world at the World Cup. I just think Ella Toon's story, if you haven't looked at it, I urge you to go back and look at it because she's living out the dream. As I said, our dream is in the men's team, but these girls don't have that opportunity when they're growing up. Their dream is to achieve great things in the women's game and, and Ella Toon is our Marcus Rashford she is our Gary Neville our Nicky Butt David Beckham and look to be honest she probably didn't have the greatest season this year in the women's Super League now obviously Manchester United had a very good season but I believe she only probably scored a handful of goals um, I think from memory of my last reading only three or four goals for the women's team and um, she's that type of creative attacking winger who does have a goal in her I think all of us do remember the goal she did score that lovely chip against Germany in the Euros finals for England, um, she definitely has a lot of ability. If you have seen her play, she's a tricky winger, gets on the ball, has a bit of skill, likes to go past a player. As said, has an eye for a goal. So um, not off the best season. Obviously, a few other players did outshine her in the women's team this season. That's nothing to criticise her. A lot of the players had very good seasons, just by Ella Toon's high standards. I believe this was her lowest goal, lowest goal score in return for Manchester United. So um, she's just one player who I would keep an eye in terms of a uh, game-changer. For England, obviously, we did see her come off the bench to, to make that difference against Germany in the final. And um, just a, that play who has that little bit of an X factor, the ability to go past a player. So when you do tune into one of the England games, um, Ella Toon, in my opinion, is definitely one to keep an eye out for, not only um, in regards to her ability and the ability to sort of pop up and make a difference in regards to the performance and the result on the pitch, but also, as I said, in regards to her story, she's living her dream. She's Manchester United's number seven, which you, me, and every other listener listen to this all dreamed of. Um, she's doing it. So um, I believe she does sort of represent Manchester United extremely well. And um, the best of luck to her in this World Cup. Now, the next one, Manchester United captain, Katie Zellum. Probably a surprise include. I wouldn't say surprise in regards to her ability, but she's represented Captain Manchester United for a while now, but never really been in sort of a regular or in and around the England squad. But um, off the back of a very good season for Manchester United, she has been included in the England World Cup team. So again, I'm not sort of an expert on the English um, setup. I wouldn't expect her to feature too heavily in regards to some of the other names they have in midfield, but obviously off the back of a very good season for Manchester United, and especially our captain in terms of that leadership role she does have within the group. Um, definitely a, a great achievement for her to sort of take that step up and sort of make that World Cup squad. So huge congratulations to her. But um, as I said with Ella Toon, she has done a podcast with the official Manchester United with Sam Homewood, David May, Helen Evans, etc., and again, she has a great story in regards to her dream was, as I said, grow up and play for Manchester United. We've all seen the photos when she was a young kid with the Manchester United shirt. She wanted nothing more to play for Manchester United, but simply wasn't there wasn't a team. So like Ella Toon, it was impossible. So she had to take the unfortunate route. She actually played for Liverpool, played for Liverpool um, for quite a while in terms of that was the only real professional club who showed an interest in her. So she said, I'm going to take that opportunity and go to Liverpool. Then she also done something quite unique for any English player. She took the trip to a foreign country, she actually went and played for Juventus. 
Um, she had a season over in Juventus, and um, you can imagine that now in terms of uh, when we look at a male player, are they really going to take that step and try and test themselves in a foreign league? It's a very rare thing. We obviously do say once or twice in terms of some high-profile mains, but it's very, sort of very few and far between. So um, she took that risk, and um, it resulted in regards to quite a good season at Juventus. Then when Manchester United were created back in was uh, 2018, uh, Manchester United came knocking um, because they wanted to bring those players back who sort of had that connection with Manchester United. And um, she was straight back in, and um, she's hit the ground run ever since. She's obviously a stalwart. She's a key player for Manchester United. She's now the current club captain. And um, you do look off the back of a very good season. Manchester United did have finished in second in the Women's Super League. Whoever your main player in midfield is, which Katie Zellum is for Manchester United, um, they have to have something about them. Now, as I said, I don't think she'll feature too heavily for England at the World Cup, but... Look, the tournament football is interesting. One or two injuries or you come on and sort of make an impact, the whole landscape of a tournament can change for an individual. So it would be great to see Katie Zellum um, come on and sort of make an impact. I think the one thing almost, maybe a little bit lazy, but some people have put her in the in the same category as almost maybe uh, James Ward-Prowse in regards to maybe included in the England team for her set-piece ability in regards to she does pop up with quite a few free kicks and sort of dangerous corners. So it'll be interesting in regards to how England's games do play out, how she is utilised. I wouldn't be surprised to see her off the bench, but unfortunately probably wouldn't see her starting too many games. But like when any Manchester United player does represent their country at a major tournament, you want them to do well. So fingers crossed um, she can get on the pitch and um, do what she does best. And lastly, the, the final one for the England team is a weird one. I wouldn't say weird, but um, Maya Letizia is on the standby list. So I think she is travelling out to Australia for the World Cup, but she is set to return home to England if um, a spot doesn't open up on the squad. So if there are no injuries or, or sort of late withdrawals from the squad, Maya Letizia won't make the final squad, unfortunately. But um, the thing that first attracted me to Letizia was obviously the name. You think, hang on, is this um, Matt Letizia's daughter? It's not. She does come from the same part of the country, I do believe, um, from down south, but yeah, is not the daughter of Matt Letizia. But um, if you ever watch her play, she plays at the back on the young defender, Almost in terms of the way football has gone, in terms of we see these modern defenders in terms of bringing the ball out from the back and can play. She is a player. So I think, OK, we won't be seeing her at the World Cup unless there's an unfortunate withdrawal from the England squad. But um, if you do get the chance to watch Maya Letizia play, um, yeah, your modern defender likes a tackle, gets stuck in, but it can get on the ball and sort of drive forward. And if you look at a lot of Manchester United women's goals this season, they have sort of started, I don't want to say sort of kick and chase and booting the ball forward. But sort of your long diagonal passes um, into someone's path, um, a lot of them are coming from, from Maya Letizia. So a young player to look out for. Unfortunately, probably won't feature at this World Cup, but um, does represent Manchester United well and um, will be out here in Australia, I do believe, with a, obviously not hoping injury on anyone, but um, you should need a bit of luck to make the squad. But um, definitely one to keep an eye out for. So just to wrap up in regards to, we'll look at some other nations. It's not just the English players. There are one or two others representing their countries. Now, there were we did have one or two um, girls in the French team um, who were Manchester United players, but they were both on loan at Manchester United. They've both since in the last couple of days, their contracts have run out and they have returned to their parent clubs in France. So um, not current Manchester United players. So sorry, girls, I won't be focusing too much on your team's chances, but um, all the best. But um, two other players who we do have who are always sort of hotly tipped at a World Cup in regards to Canada, both USA and Canada, always sort of in and around the favourites. And we have Jade Riviere, young Canadian fullback, uh, right back. I don't think she's a very young player. She only come in this season for Manchester United, and I believe only made a handful of appearances. But um, it does come sort of sort of highly regarded, but um, yet to sort of hit the ground running at Manchester United. But I believe she does play quite a few minutes for the Canadian team. And the other one is Adriana Leon, who has had quite a career, but since the new manager came in at the Manchester United women's team, um, she never really got 
sort of got going. It was just one of those players who sort of falls out of favour a little bit under a new manager, and she's since been on loan, but she's still currently contracted at Manchester United, but um, spent the season on loan, I believe, back in Canada or potentially in America. But um, she is due back at Manchester United next season. But um, So we do have two Canadians um, at the World Cup, Adriana Leon and Jade Riviere. And I, the reason I point those names out in regards to not only representing Man United, but Canada, they're, they're, all, they're always a team. I don't know who the favourite is to win this World Cup or, or who my tip is, but in the women's game, you always have to look at Canada. So we could be seeing a situation where we to, to, to have um, Canada in the final and two Manchester United players lining up for them. So um, good luck to them. Um, best luck to them. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they do progress both as Canadian internationals, but um, more importantly for us as Man United players, there are high hopes for this um, Jade Riviere, has had a young fullback coming in. Hasn't quite hit the ground running at Manchester United. Obviously, one of the plays from the season, who unfortunately we're not previewing here in regards to Anya, Anya Bache. I always forget that. I just say Anya Battle. I know that's not how it's pronounced. But Anya Bache was probably our player of the season in terms of the way she played at right back. She's since, unfortunately, moved to Barcelona. But she was a real stalwart at right back this season for the women's team. So when Jade Riviere came in, unfortunately, there was no real spot for her because our best player was playing. So... um. Who knows, with her going to Barcelona, maybe that opens the door for her, but definitely keep an eye out for her at this World Cup. And the last of our girls representing their countries um, over there is Vilda Boerisa from Norway. And look, I love it. I I believe that's how I pronounced her name. Apologies if I did get that wrong. But I love a Norwegian at Old Trafford. Obviously, no no surprise in terms of one of my favourite players, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, both as a player and a manager. I know he didn't leave in the greatest terms as a manager, but I have the utmost respect for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So any Norwegian who comes, he obviously... Do have that sort of that, a bit of a connection to them. I think Manchester United and Scandinavia have always had that, especially with the Norwegians through Solskjaer and Vilda Borisa. The, the, the standout from her in terms of when I have seen the women's team play this season, she plays the game in a very physical way, which does stand out in regards to her opponents in terms of just her body movements. In terms of you compare the men's game and the women's game, there's obviously different mechanics in the way the body moves and the physicality. But she plays the game with a very sort of physical style and sort of really imposes herself and what just has that power in terms of sort of driving through midfield and getting on the ball and sort of really stamping her authority. So so she's, she's a player who really does stand out in regards to being that difference maker and getting her team on the front foot. Um, she always catches the eye every time I sort of watch her play and she's always ends up on the score sheet. She does like a goal from midfield. And as I said, with the two Canadian girls, when Canada are there at a World Cup, you do have to take them very seriously in the women's game. And same with Norway or any of the, any of the Scandinavian countries. Whenever they're there at a World Cup finals or a Euros, you do have to take them very seriously. And um, Norway always win with a shout. So in terms of the way I like to see the, the midfielders play, I do like that player who sort of stands out, gets on the ball and gets their teams on the front foot. Vilda Balrisa, from what I've seen, um, she could be a difference maker for Norway, fingers crossed. So I'll definitely be keeping an eye out for her. As I said, in regards to, I love a Norwegian who plays for Manchester United, and she wears the number eight for Man United, which is my number if I was blessed enough to play for Manchester United. But best of luck to her. And, and all the girls, as I said, in terms of, I would like Australia to win this tournament. There's no doubt about that. I definitely do. But my God, I love a Manchester United player to win it, just as I did in um, the Qatar World Cup. I love Lissandro Martinez winning the World Cup. If he didn't win it, I would have been over the moon with Rafael Varane winning it. If England won it and Harry Maguire was left, I would have absolutely loved it. So I would love nothing more than to see a Manchester United player um, lift this World Cup because we've all sat here over the last couple of months talking about how the Glazers have neglected the women's department and when a new owner comes in, one of the first things we want to see is sort of significant investment into the women's team. But we as fans, we also have a responsibility in regards to giving them the attention they deserve. And, and I sort of hold myself accountable to that as well in terms of I should be watching more and sort of taking far more note. But I think we also have a responsibility as fans. We can't just say, I oh, just give them more money. 
we need to also give them our eyes as well. So when they are on our screens here, um, or whether you're here in Sydney or watching from around the world, um, take your time out and just be proud that we do have Manchester United representing our club for their country. So um, best of luck to all the girls, no doubt about that. As I said, I would like Australia to win, but I'd love nothing more than to see one of the Manchester United players lift that World Cup. So my tip, well, I would like Australia to win, no doubt. I would love nothing more than maybe Katie Zellum to curl in a free kick into the top corner in the World Cup final, or Ella Toon to be in on goal and slot it past the goalkeeper. So um, fingers crossed everything does go well for Manchester United's representation. Hopefully you did enjoy that podcast. As I said, something a little bit different and um, just sort of take a little bit of a holiday away from sort of all the transfer discussion and who we're not signing and who we might be signing. It's what we want to do with this podcast. Just get away from sort of the helter-skelter nature of life of a Manchester United fan and just sort of take a step back and remind ourselves that Manchester United is more than just um, who we're signing and sort of how many goals we scored on the weekend. There, there is a whole club at play here and there are many facets of it. And I think, um, yeah, it's good just to step back and to take a broader look at things. So um, best of luck to all these um, girls representing their countries at the World Cup. Fingers crossed one of them can take it home. And um, as I said, if you did enjoy that, please do leave a like or rating or review or whatever your podcast app does allow. That'll be very much appreciated. Um, it goes a long way. And also follow me on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, whatever. Let us know your thoughts on this episode in terms of did you get something out of it? Did you enjoy it? Um, any feedback would be very much appreciated. But until then, um, we'll be back next Tuesday with an audio-only podcast. And if you need some content in the meantime, head over to YouTube, subscribe to the United Pubcast on YouTube. And Larry and I will be definitely talking about who we are signing or not signing for the men's team. But until then, have a good one. Cheers.